0: Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any grand loud statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. As always, we love chatting with you live. So if you are watching this live Thursday nights at 930 Eastern. Hey, you know, we'd love to see you in the Facebook chat, the YouTube chat and then if not those chats are available to watch later so join in the fun even during or after let's see uh who am i i am john ruark i'm a past master of the patriot lodge number 1957 in fairfax virginia and next for introductions we'll have jason richards hello jason
1: hello john join in the fun either during or after Feel like you, that's an homage you, to like somebody's love life. You make whatever conclusions you want from that guy. Okay. Like okay, Jason Richards, past master vacation lodge number sixteen in Clifton, Virginia, and member of Colonial Lodge number eighteen twenty one in Washington D.C. and Lafayette number seventy nine in Zanesville, Ohio. Woo!
0: There's our first woo of the night. Next up, Joe Martinez.
2: Good evening, Joe. Only one woo that is so, so far. Not okay, all right. Well there'll be more woos tonight as we talk about each other's each other's opinions. But hi, Joe Martinez. There's my name. Uh let's see, we're doing everything today. So uh current master of Manassa Lodge number one eighty two and a whole bunch of other lodges. Woo woo. Uh, as you can see I'm in my uh mobile command center called the Upstairs, mm-hmm. uh because I don't have access to my office tonight. So uh, you'll find out oh. why in about five seconds. I was say That's that's odd. I wonder why
1: it's foreshadowing it's
0: foreshadowing even
2: Mm
0: -hmm. all right and of course last but not least for tonight the one the only robert johnson hello robert vsauce here
3: (laughs) (laughs) uh I'm in Joe's office. Yeah, that Uh, that would be why. Robert Johnson, past master, Waukegan Lodge 78, current sitting secretary at Space Novum 1183 in Libertyville, Illinois, the premier education lodge in the state of Illinois. Good to be with you guys.
0: Awesome. It's great having you. Uh, You know, we had like uh, Robert Marshall on um, last week, week before we got Robert Johnson. It's like Joe is like the Masonic Airbnb (laughs) <laughs> in like the east coast so if you ever want to stay at joe's send us an email over to uh the masonic Realty and your name is
2: robert.com <laughs> only only people named robert in their first or middle names how cool would it be though to have like a masonic themed airbnb right not in my house i don't like people so they're well, definitely not staying with me you know what no it's <laughs> pretty cool no.
1: there was there was a brother of my lodge who may be a current district deputy who had been pushing a masonic themed airbnb type of what? platform for a Ooh. couple of years like, from the standpoint of like you know it's almost like couch surfing except you know with basins
2: oh huh. interesting
1: work can't yeah. imagine why it never took off Yeah,
2: sounds biased
1: it does. <laughs> Your face is biased. Before we get into tonight's topic, definitely want to give a shout out
0: to all the patrons who support the show. You guys are awesome, and you rock, and you rock my socks off, so keep on doing what you're doing. We love chatting with you off you know, off Thursday nights in our little Secret Squirrel Facebook group. You guys are awesome, and we have some really candid conversations in there. I love how it's like a, sa- a safe space for Masons to bounce ideas off each other throw out the like the really weird questions and uh yeah every week it, there's always something new there so if you want to join in on the fun head, head over to patreon.com slash the masonic Roundtable.
2: yes joe speaking of fun just wanted to let everybody know uh that the masonic Roundtable is moving into the more of the 21st century than we have been today we finally broke a thousand followers on tiktok so that means you now get to see live content from your favorite people. So everybody here except for Jason, uh, will be on TikTok doing live stuff. And maybe Jason sometimes. But um yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Uh I think our handle is at the Masonic Roundtable. Is that right? So. It okay. is. Okay. So yes, yeah, check us out on TikTok.
1: And we will probably be going live tomorrow morning from a secret secret location. Ooh, woo.
0: Hence why Robertson Town. Yeah. Robert Robert always brings uh the good conspiracies with them. So we'll see it then. All right. Well, tonight's topic is on the topic of cognitive biases. Uh, so if you recall way back in episode 36, we did a series of logical fallacies, logic being one of the many arts and sciences that we are supposed to be uh, familiar with as Freemasons and thought it was good to dive deep, especially into conversation about the logical fallacies we have whenever we debate and then there's a corollary to logic fallacies as well which are cognitive biases so tonight we're going to talk about a variety of cognitive biases that you probably have because you're a human and we all have our own influences and our own mistakes that we need to correct But the first step of correcting a mistake is knowing that it exists. The first step of a 12-step program is admitting you have a problem. So tonight, we are going to cover a plethora of cognitive biases and um, what they are, maybe where you might have seen them masonically, and maybe, you know, what to look out for in the future. So what we're going to do, we're going to do just like we did for logical fallacies, we're going to do a round-robin format where we're just going to take one and go around do a short thing and see how many we can get through within the hour. There are many many more than we can cover in a one hour show. We hope to give you just a taste of some of the biases that you d- probably have. So just as a reminder, cognitive biases are these systematic flaws in thinking. When we're trying to interpret the world, Our, you know, we as human beings have been trying to um, react and, and bring in all this, all this information and information is getting even, you know, more dumped at us all the time in the information age. So we have to make sometimes irrational conclusions about things just to make sense of the world. But in doing so, there's a lot of danger and false, um, false judgments that you can make. And so what we're going to do is walk through some of these cognitive biases and then see how we can correct for those. There are many, many more. We found most of these, um, codified in a website called yourbias.is, your is Y O U R bias dot is. Uh, but it is not a complete list. It's it's just kind of the, the highlight reel. We'll start with Jason. With the first cognitive bias. Go ahead, Jason.
1: All right, so we're going to open up the conversation tonight on anchoring. Oh, it's not just a weight that drags you down. But it is the cognitive bias that says that the first thing you judge influences all of your judgment that follows so the idea that you can't ever break free from your first impression and so you know you could you know meet somebody like robert johnson and maybe he's in a bad mood that day and hasn't had his coffee and like you know he's just rough around the edges and you're like man that Robert Johnson sucks like he's the worst and (laughs) you know when you when you benchmark him there you know not giving him the chance to you know see him on a better day perhaps or or whatnot but I think I think a good Masonic example of anchoring specifically is focused on like anchoring happens a lot when you're looking at monetary things in price and um so for me anchoring comes into play a lot when we talk about lodge dues yes so you go into a country lodge and the do you get raised in a country lodge and the dues are like 30 bucks and so that's that's all you know And then you move to DC or New York city you want to affiliate with the lodge there and the lodge dues are over $200. Whoa. You're like, Whoa, what, what's going on? Like what? I, I don't understand. Ultimately it seems out of place for you and you make judgments based on the fact that you are anchored in, you know, a, a different due structure or a different, you know, idea of of what the, you know, fiscal uh, responsibility is of of a Mason and Lodge. Well, there you go. So
0: always remember that uh, you, your decisions may be influenced by the anchoring effect. All right, Joe, bring it up. For also, the
1: next also applicable to dues raising discussions as well. So you have all the. You know, 60 and 70 year olds going, I remember when the dues were $15. What do you mean we're raising it from 30 to 31 and a half? <laughs> okay, Joe can go now.
2: Joe, next one. I uh, I was waiting for Jason's approval, as I always do. So, uh, yeah. So, And another about... thing
1: about anchoring.
2: Damn you. <laughs> so, uh, this one we're going to talk about is the... Dunning-Kruger effect. And a lot of people have heard of it before. Um, but I think that a lot of people don't realize that this applies to many, many people in many situations, much more so than we would like to, to think ourselves. A lot of people, um, in different facets of their life and the things that they do, whether it's work or lodge or family or anything, uh, school, um, they all are impacted by the Dunning-Kruger effect. So what this is, and it was named after two guys, two psychologists, Dunning and Kruger, really intelligent name. Um, but it's basically uh, when you or someone overestimates their skill set or their knowledge in a certain subject or a certain task Um and then they go forward with that with that you know diminished skill set or diminished knowledge uh or their their inability to do a task when they go ahead and do it so um basically it's overestimating your own abilities or someone's own abilities and i think we all do this again in one vein of our lives or another um let's see a large example i could think of is uh okay i'll throw this one out there and see what you guys think um dunning-kruger effect in masonry where people who basically check the box as attending everything and showing up and just attending uh, receive rewards and receive accolades and receive um, honorary degrees and you know wonderful lapel pins and beautiful badges uh, basically as a result of attendance where there's no been no skill or no uh, exemplification or nothing to show for for moving forward in masonry in the trappings of masonry um you know so they think that they're really successful masons just because they showed up and got a participation trophy um you know and i could pick numerous examples but you know i don't want to offend anybody today so um yeah <laughs> I, I think that's included. a present absolutely absolutely and I, I think again we're all we're all we all yes. you know to bring it to a, a you know a less lodgy example um you know, people who are poor performers uh, in their work or a task that they do, um, oftentimes don't have any issue volunteering for extra work that's over their capacity, right? So they think they're being helpful when in fact, they're a detriment to the overall goal, because they have Mm -hmm. no skills in that task or job, right? So um, it's really hard to to uh, break through this effect because it really needs, it, it requires turning an eye inward to yourself and noticing that I d- am not awesome at everything. And in this particular task, you know, to use Jason's parlance, you suck at it. Um, and you need to actually be aware of it and come to that. So that's done in Kruger. All right, excellent.
0: Next up over to me, we're gonna talk about the halo effect. So what is the halo effect? The halo effect is where, um, the perception you have about someone actually influences, um, it, part of their personality influences your, your other perceptions of them. So usually what happens is where, um, if someone is attractive, you might think high, more highly of them. Uh, but even in the fraternity, have you ever had that one mentor that was like the icon of the lodge and really helped build up the lodge, and became this, this, uh, hero figure even for, for the lodge. And so it, after over time, this mentor could do no wrong, right? Whatever they said was gospel. <clears throat> and so that doesn't mean they're perfect, but your are you're now, um, your perception is, is being enhanced, uh, because of your view of their personality. So if you. Uh, if you ever even think back to, say, a Grand Master that did a lot in their year, even after they're out of the Grand East, you're like, man, that would, that guy was really awesome, and, and everything he does afterwards, he can do no wrong, He's everything he touches is gold, um, that you're definitely being in, influenced by the Halo effect. And you see this outside of Lodge 2 when you look at um, the, the hero worship that goes with politicians, for example, regardless of what side you're on, that whatever they say is, is true. And, and they, they can't be wrong about this because, you know, I, I've, you know, I believe what they said before, or I, or I like what they've said before. And so just be aware that, um, you know, when they say never meet your heroes, but also realize that good or bad, you can, uh, you can be influenced by the halo effect. I think there's another term for the negative side of that, uh, where, um, if you don't like someone, even if they're telling you something that's truthful, you will be influenced by a negative perception of them. All right, let's head over to Robert. Let's go to yours.
3: So the first one to cover for us, right, is this idea of reactance. And it's got a, a basis right there, I right? just right in the word react. Um, when I think about this, it's very, like, super childish. Uh, but we all kind of do it, I think. But it's probably one of the first ones that we learn as an adult that we learn how to curb it. And so this is when you do the opposite of what is suggested almost out of spite <clears throat> or based on who suggested it for whatever reason, you've got something against that person or whatever the case is. And you decide I'm going to do the opposite thing. Uh, your, your uh, parents tell you not to date this person. And you're like, Oh, not only am I going to eat that person, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, date the dirtiest version of that person (laughs) or whatever. Um, (laughs) You from experience or what? No, but the logic experience, the logic experience I do speak from uh, the one I would, the one I would say would be like, if we rate, if we say, Hey, let's go ahead and raise the dues. Right. And then what happens is uh, instead of raising the dues, not only do they um, decide to keep them the same, they might say, they might do something additional, like spend more money or <clears throat> a, a personal example would be like, if you had a district team and you were the DDGM and then you decided, Hey, I want to make these suggestions for the officers to move around in my office in, in my district team for when I leave. Uh, the person I suggest to be DDGM is not the person that's, ch- that's, that's, uh, chose. So, uh, they pick somebody else. Right, it's uh, there's there's a there's a bias there, uh, in particular that that tends to happen. I think uh, with which is some people. I mean, in the fraternity, it exists quite a bit just due to the nature of of what we do. Like we're a fellowship, and people talk, and there are cliques of people, and there are uh, people no. who might go. I'm not going to, we're not, no matter what, you know, like if John, you know, you were in the, uh, the membership committee, let's say you left them on good terms. I'm not, I don't know if you did or not. I don't I'm just speculating. Let's say John leaves the membership committee on good terms and he leaves them a list of, of open things that are all, you know, ready to go and, and set up and they just take it right away and, and they just throw it in the trash. Cause maybe they don't like John or something. Right. Or I don't want to deal with that because I only want to deal with what I'm deciding to do. So it's kind of a, a push away from it, but it's, it's really a, childish.
0: You bring up a good point because now that's linking two different types of cognitive biases. You're linking a negative halo effect with a reactance effect. So these things can be linked as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I
2: used to, I call reactant effect Mondays. I didn't know it, it was a <laughs> thing. <that same>.
0: Like <laughs> <man>. Pre coffee, <laughs> Joe. All right,
1: over (laughs) to you, Jason. Next up. Next up, we're going to talk about the mother of all biases. (gasps) And you see this all the time, even among the TMR hosts. And that is confirmation bias. This is the cognitive bias that where someone favors the evidence and the information that confirm their pre-existing beliefs. And so on social media, you know how much of an echo chamber it is. You know, if I'm scrolling, 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 I'm going to look at the information, you know, that is more politically aligned with, you know, my particular persuasion uh, in masonry. I uh, I see this a lot in conversations around the ecumenical nature of freemasonry and whether or not it should truly be open to all religions uh under the fatherhood of god or simply christian and so a good example of confirmation bias is that if someone uh is a knight sir knight in kt and uh you know they eat sleep and breathe hey you know kt is christian only i am uh you know sir knight freemason um and then their blue lodge hosts a really cool event like uh like joe did um celebrating uh, ramadan and our our muslim brethren um a brother you know might choose to, you know, who who comes from kind of that persuasion of always associating masonry with Christianity, may choose to, um, you know, read the article from the KT magazine talking about, well, masonry really should be Christian, um, as opposed to, you know, accepting and understanding that uh, there are a lot of different religions and religious persuasions within Freemasonry that should all be celebrated. But
0: I'm only going to research those things that align with my confirmation bias. Zingy. Zingy. All right, Joe, next
2: one. Zing. Um, what shall we talk about? Oh, good one. So the next one is the Barnum Effect. Uh, and what the Barnum Effect is, is it is a phenomena that basically deals with um, people believing in things like uh, generalized personality descriptions, like your your newspaper horoscope, um, as if they're really accurate descriptions of their own unique personality, right? So it refers to our tendency to think that the information that we're provided is about our own unique personality, regardless of, of how general it is. So you know, Things like, uh, you know, you get a really cool message in your fortune cookie and it's like, oh, that really relates to me in my day, you know, um, or your horoscope um, where they're written so broadly that, um, I'm talking about newspaper horoscopes, uh, things like that. You know, they're written so broadly that this has to apply to me and it's such a deep, intentful thing because it, it only applies to me. So um, uh, funnily enough, this was named after um, PT Barnum, you know. Uh, Brother Barnum. And, <laughs> brother P.T. Barnum, uh, which had not a nice quote, but uh, I will quote him and say, uh, he was quoted in saying, there's a sucker born every minute. Uh, And as you know, P.T. Barnum was in the circus business, um, you know, during the late 19th century. Um, But that's where this effect got its name, um, where again, it refers to human beings tendency to to be gullible. Um, and to love attributing generalized sweeping descriptions to themselves and only themselves. And I think a really good lodge example for this is our, our progressive lines. Um, you know, we, we a lot of people or a lot of lodges that work on progressive lines and progressive lines only, like you show up, you sit in the chair, you move up to the next one um, where there are really no qualifications or, or no expectations of the position and what what it dictates and what it expects of you. Um, where people, you know, within four, you know, you get guys that are raised and three years later, if they're in a lodge, that's really tight on people and things like that. They could become worshipful master. Um, and the the Barnum effect applies when, you know, we talk about in our ritual and I'll be generic and talk about, we say the worshipful master has wisdom because he represents a certain person and things like that. But just sitting in chairs for four years doesn't suddenly make you wise. Um, and it suddenly doesn't give you the ability to to run an organization like a masonic lodge so your virtue of sitting in that chair does not automatically grant you that magic power it doesn't come from the chair and you know go up your butt into your head it, it does not work <laughs> grant you bad.
1: the so, grumpy power
2: uh that's the year you after you get out yes immediately um, absolutely oh, okay. right immediately okay. thereafter but yeah um th- i think that's a that's a good example because just by your virtue of sitting in that chair doesn't mean you get all of these these innate abilities to to do the things that are asked of you to do. So that's the Barnum effect. Nice, awesome.
0: All right, next up is me with the cognitive bias of the belief bias. Now this one's fascinating because it basically says that your evaluation of the logical strength of an argument is biased by the believability of the conclusion. So basically, you're skipping over logic and and saying this must be true because it sounds true. I believe it to be true. Now boy, there are a ton of these in Freemasonry. The least of which being the... Well, you know we descend from Knights Templar, right? <laughs> it, it it sounds good. Let's not talk bah. about how there's no <laughs> historical link or accuracy that that can connect the Knights Templar oh. with the operative or speculative guilds uh that became our, our forefathers in masonry
1: but it sounds Don't spoil good. our future episode that's true <laughs> <laughs>
0: um and so this is often true and this is one of my pet peeves of so quote-unquote research uh, in in freemasonry where anytime someone does their own research on a Masonic topic and they're really pulling from their own assumptions, their own conclusions. They're not reading source material, they're not referencing source material. But, you know, I think that this symbol means this to me and they they might put together a very well thought out <clears throat> logical argument. But that doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it true, but the fact that it sounds true that you could have a whole lodge presentation that has absolutely based in zero fact, but you could convince every brother in there that that is a, that is why that symbol exists or, or what it is supposed to mean in modern days. And so, you know, you got to be careful. I,
2: I feel that. personally attacked there, John. I'm just saying we've I all feel, done it, I feel myself included. That's literally every presentation I've ever done in my life <laughs> ever.
0: <laughs> no research. No research. What's, a, you know, that's, that's a lie. wing it. Yeah, come on so the it also relates to me you know this belief bias of well that's the way we've always done it right that phrase in evokes the the belief bias because well that that has to be the way way we've always done it i believe it to be true even though i'm not gonna do my research and see if it was actually done like the way music was played you know by the grand lodge in, in the past but the what it's always been that way that we don't have music in the degree so therefore i believe it to be true so that's uh, food for thought on the belief bias
2: yeah that term evokes aneurysms in my <laughs> aneurysms. When I heard that so that's what it evokes all righty
0: next up robert johnson uh,
3: i i think just in the interest of uh, time i want to make sure i talk about this one in particular, which is, uh, what's called self-serving bias. Uh, this is when you succeed and you believe that, uh, it is through your exclusive effort that you have conquered whatever, uh, has happened. Um, uh, and that's all well and good, right? It's, it's great for your, uh, your self-esteem, but also when you fail, you believe that it's everyone else's fault. Uh, so, A Great example of this is uh, the whole in my year scenarios that happened with past masters Uh, When you have a success (laughs) all it was a great idea that I had Um, And then when something sucked it's because you know the lodge didn't pull its own weight Uh, Never mind the fact that you were the supposed to be the key to the hearts of men and inspire them to do all the things so you know the uh, success of a lodge is largely dependent on the leadership of the master, along with his brother. So you're always together, no matter what. So both of the uh, severe, the severe ends of this particular self-serving bias are wrong, right? It's not your success; it's the lodge's success, and it's not the lo- It's not the members' failure; it's also your failure. So you own them together. But it's uh, it's certainly. Um, is something that I think our brothers need to think about, uh, in particular, um, with their lodges and self-reflection. Because a lot of times we we want to think how well we did with something, and you know uh, what's the, like you see it in the old uh, black and white, you know, you know Mo uh, from from Three Stooges, right? And Mo's like, ah, oh, glad I thought of that, <laughs> or uh, Fred Flintstone saying that, right? And <clears throat> you know, it's Barney's idea, or whatever but it's, it's really important to be honest and to share your successes um, and your failures. So uh, self-serving bias, right? That's a, that's a no, no, don't do it. Try to be reflective. And when you, you know, you think maybe you did
0: such a great job, remember who hoisted you up. Boom. There you go. All right, let's go back to Jason for his next topic.
1: All right, great. So now we're going to, I think, uh, one of my favorite biases. It's also the most maddening. Uh, We see this a lot everywhere today. This is called the backfire effect. I was actually texting someone about the backfire effect this morning. The backfire effect occurs when some aspect of your core belief, like your personal core beliefs, um, is challenged, and all it does is make you double down and believe them more strongly. And so this occurs all the time in Freemasonry with conspiracy theorists. So why is it that the Leo Taxel hoax Now, 150 plus years later, is still the thing that anti-Masons like run screaming to at the first sign, even though Taxel himself announced in a public forum that he made everything up. We have that on record, historical record. Um, But when you tell somebody, uh, you know, conspiracy theorists that, no, 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 that was a that was a hoax that has been, universally disproven by the person who propagated the hoax in the first place, they say, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about or you're not at a high enough level or that can't be true. The more you argue with them and present them with evidence, the more they double down and the more they internalize and actually believe their own, uh, their own, essentially core values. You know, this,
0: this is fascinating to me because um, I, I heard a phrase that helped me think through how to avoid this, this type of cognitive bias. And, and it basically says something along, along the lines of, what evidence would you have, would, would you need in order to change your opinion about something? And if the answer is well there's no evidence that you could provide that would change my opinion then you you've, you've fallen into this bias right but but if you if you stop and think well before i fall into this um backfire effect or doubling down is there some piece of information that if i found this out i could change my opinion about that that is how to get out of that trap whatever that is and and so you know uh, geez, let's l- just look at what COVID has done over the past two years, politically, uh, medically, just everything that goes with that. You know, I've had to stop myself and say, okay, what, what, inf- what n- new information would I need to have, honestly, and not like some magical, you know, answer falls out of the sky, but no, r- no kidding. What data, what I need to see being a data-driven guy that would help me change my mind. And that's, that's helped me, get out of this trap and i've changed my opinion a couple times a couple times based on new data
1: let's say so that 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 kind ahead. of brings me back to the debate years and years ago between bill nye and ken ham at uh the uh the creation science museum down in kentucky um ken ham uh, renowned young earth creationist bill nye wacky science person. Um, They met together, had a televised debate, and the last question that the moderator asked uh, to both uh, speakers in the debate was, what would change your mind? And Bill's answer was evidence, and Ken's answer was nothing. Hmm. Well, there you go. All right, Joe, you're up.
2: What's your next cognitive woo! bias? Woo! We have All the right. woo bias. So, though, No, the woo bias is not a bias. It is a <laughs> method of uh, framing your thoughts for positive outlook on the world.
0: Don't backfire affect anyway, it. Anyway.
2: Woo! So we're going to talk about the next one we have is the framing effect, um, which I like, and I think it applies to, to Freemasonry on several levels. But... What the framing effect is, is basically a a cognitive bias that we have that impacts our decision making and where we as human beings like to see uh, choices presented to us. Um, We love choices. Uh, I think that's why we all took Scantron tests back in the day, right? We love choices. Um, But uh, you young kids don't know what Scantron is. uh, You're you're blessed for that. But um, uh, basically, it's like... uh, looking at uh two different kinds of meat. You go to the store and you're buying ground beef. You have one that says um uh only twenty-five percent fat and you have another one that says seventy-five percent fat-free. So your mind think they're both identically the same exact type of ground beef, but your mind gravitates towards the ones that has the more positive value to it. So 75 fat-free sounds better in my brain and I'm going to choose that one, even though they're both identical. So our, our mind less
1: delicious to, than 25%
2: fat. Agreed. Agreed. You, you, you don't make burgers with that, but 85, um, 15, that's how I go. But um, when you get these 50, 50 choices or you get two choices, you always want to lean towards the positive value. Right. And it really frames how we decide things. So I think a good example going back to masonry when it comes to the framing effect is uh, our, st- our membership statistics, right? Um, we have the doom and gloomers. Um, I like to call them the realists, uh, where they look at membership numbers and see that that is, that is him right there, poster child that is going on a lapel pin. But <laughs> Uh, we have the, you know, the folks that look at it from the negative aspect. We lose X number of people per year. And the fraternity as a whole has less members per year. That very same statistic you can give in a positive way. It's like, well, we've only lost X percentage this year, where in a previous year, we lost more than that or something like that. Or we've gained one, two, three, you know, these types of numbers year-over-year mm-hmm. year, and skipping over the loss, right? So you don't talk about the negative or the delta, you just focus on the pile. Lodge gained three new members this year, that's awesome, but 14 of them died in the same year. So, you know, it's the same membership statistic, it's just given in two different ways. And I think in a lot of ways, um, Freemasonry suffers from this, this framing effect when it's looking at numbers in a realistic way.
0: Whoa, whoa, so you're saying that people will actually use numbers to deceive people to tell the story they want to tell?
2: That is a very direct question, and I'm going to give you a weird, super <laughs> answer, and I'm going to say that maybe, kind of, sort of, that they do, but you can look at the same statistic, and I'm, you're Mr. Statistics, so I would say you probably have statistics you could throw out and show a positive and a negative, um, where, again, it sounds really good, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's not so bad, versus... Oh, my God, we're all going to die. But your brain likes to tend to gravitate more towards the positive, the positive choice, even if they're both the same, going back to the ground beef, even if they're both identical, you're going to pick the one that feels better to your brain,
0: which again, this is a combination of of biases as well. Because if you're if you're putting together a statistical presentation like I've done, you try to not look for confirmation bias. In your framing bias. Because as you're gathering the data, if you come in with a presupposition, which is not a scientific method, right, you're trying to look for the bad, then you're only going to frame it around the bad and tell that story, right? So, what, well, if you're doing this, you yeah, really need to keep an open mind.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, it just doesn't have to do with statistics. Right. Um, there are things like framing, like marketing, you know, the marketing industry itself. Um, knows all of these biases and knows which ones appeal to our brains and which ones don't. You have visual frames, things like certain colors and imagery will make us more uh, think more positively about something versus negative Certain types of, you know, you can look at fonts and say, this is cool. This is not cool. I like this. I don't like this. I think my headset died.
0: They have a square and compass on. Therefore they gotta be good people.
2: Gotta be good people.
0: Mm -hmm. Maybe not always. Okay. Next up. Over to me, we'll talk about the cognitive bias of groupthink. And this is much more common in this fraternity than you you realize, because it's the psychological effect where the group of people tend to make decisions based off of how they want to look compared to the rest of the group, as well as preserve harmony or conformity with the rest of the group. So no one really wants to be that guy who throws this dissenting opinion out. That's like, uh, actually, you know, I'm sticking my neck out here because I'm the only one who disagrees with this conclusion of what lodge event we should have, you know, which, how we should spend our, our budget, our dues, etc. And when I read this one, this actually was fascinating to me because it literally used the word, you know, desire for harmony. And then, what do we, what do we preach in in Freemasonry that harmony is the strength and support of all institutions, more especially this of ours. And so I know you can think of examples of where, um, there's been a voice vote taken up in lodge. There's been officer meetings where no one really wants to, to poo poo an idea and, or no one wants to speak up, right? That, it's, it's, we just want to make sure that everybody's happy and then, but geez, this, this gets multiplied, um, at the grand lodge level. When you see resolutions get brought up to maybe change the law. And by the time it plays this telephone game and gets up to like these, these high level committees, it gets so watered down <laughs> because it's death by committee that this group think bias comes in and says, well, we don't really don't want to offend so we're just going to tweak this a little bit. So we preserve harmony. So we preserve, um, you know, this, this fraternity of ours, and we don't want to rock the boat too much. And by doing that, you're not taking a stand. You're, you're falling into this trap of groupthink bias. And so you have to be really careful about that. And if you see it happening, stand up, right. Um, force the issue. And it's, it's hard because you're putting your neck out there too, because you're going against the, the tribe. Because we are tribal people. We, we want to get along nice. We don't want to be kicked out of our, of our tribe. We don't want to be kicked out of Freemasonry, right, for example. And so be aware that you know, when you put your, your, your neck out there, you really are trying to do the right thing without it, it falling into this, this trap of groupthink. Okay. Let's head over to Robert for his next one.
3: Uh, let's do the negativity bias. Uh, so negativity bias is essentially, uh, when you are a person, (laughs) oh, don't become the thing. Um, focusing your, you focus on negative things so much that in fact it impacts the rest of your life in such a way that you view everything as negative. Um, a common thing that like, if you look up this particular bias that you'll see a lot of is people who maybe have been hurt in a relationship before, and then just assume that all women are out to hurt men or all men are out to hurt women. And uh, this is simply not true. It's just the bias that has been constructed for you because of your individual subjective experience. You may have had a terrible experience with something. Maybe you don't like roller coasters because you had one bad experience. Um, So uh, this is an interesting one. Um, We should remember to always keep an open mind and to uh, try new things. And of course, uh, as brothers be have some empathy for people who have been hurt in these kinds of ways. But think about in the fraternity, this might be uh, very interesting, right? You could have somebody who uh, focus on lodge failures and never want to try anything again. Oh, we tried a uh, spaghetti dinner 10 years ago at a It was terrible so we're never gonna do that again or or maybe you proposed a new bylaw and you didn't get it passed and people had bad things to say about your bylaw and so you just never want to do that again oh nothing ever works because the one time I put up a, a new bylaw you know it got shut down or in the form of relationships even maybe Freemasonry because we're a fellowship we have the ability to assist somebody in um, having a closer relationship with uh, you know fellows of his lodge uh, in particular if he's like somebody who's had bad experience with friends or whatever the lodge is a step in the right direction perhaps and you know in this case maybe would even assist somebody in overcoming a a negative bias but that's the negative
0: bias and and, uh, don't do that don't do that I did want to highlight um, that reminds me of, I believe it's um, Edward de Bono. He has this concept of the six thinking hats. I think he puts a color to each one of these different hats. And so when you're brainstorming, like as a group, one thing that you want to do is say, okay, for the next five to 10 minutes, this idea that someone pitched out, we're all going to uh, put on these, like oh, this white hat, which is neutral, objectivity. Let's just talk about what do we know about, about this idea without casting any bias on it. Okay. Now we've talked about that. Now let's actually skip ahead to like, there's the black hat, which is the one that Robert just talked about. Let's, let's actually put on some negative bias, get that out of the way. Let's talk about all the negative things about this. And then conversely, right? You want to look at, um, the yellow hat, side. Okay, we've all talked about the bad stuff. You got it out of your system. Now let's switch over to the yellow hat. Let's look at the positive side of this. And because guess what? There is the corollary to what Robert brought up. There is an optimism bias as well. Let's focus only on the positive things that could could go well with this idea. And you can see how being aware of it and then giving it time to think through these different stages of bias allow us to own the bias and move on so that all these different uh, thoughts of viewpoints are brought up.
2: So, which, which hat is the um, the screaming bias where you just yell and then push your idea through? That which, would be the red.
0: The red hat is the emotional view, right? That's okay. That's, I ha- I want that hat. Just do that's it wrong. already! What is wrong with you people? Can't you see that I'm a people person?
1: <laughs> I'm the black hat. Yes.
0: Womp womp, Johnny Ringcloud. All right, Mister Black Hat. Are we back to you again? Jason, what's your next comment? Uh,
1: isn't it Robert's turn?
0: He just no, he did, just went. He just did the
1: negative
0: <laughs> bias. Jeez, what's your bias? <laughs>
1: that he, so, that he can't pay um, attention. <laughs> oh, shush. Nobody likes you. It's a negative bias. Tomorrow. Except everybody. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, next bias here is um, declinism. Or declinism, or Jason didn't try to figure out the pronunciation before the show. Sounds good. Ultimately, the second one. This this cognitive bias. Shut up, Joe. Nobody likes you. <laughs> That's stupid. Except for two. everybody everybody likes you. <laughs> um this uh this happens when you remember the past as better than it was in reality, and you expect the future to be worse than it will likely be. So <clears throat> if you are, um, you know, sitting in Lodge, listening to John's presentation on membership statistics, <clears throat> ultimately, you know, there's there's a bias here for Masons who have been Masons for for a long time, even you know 10, decades. 15, 20, 30, 40 years, decades to say, oh my goodness, masonry was so much better back when mm-hmm. blank. We never had these issues of harmony. We never had to worry about paying our gas bill. We always had every single seat in the lodge filled. No one had to wear masks. Um, And so that that is one way where brethren look back at the past with rose colored glasses and then project kind of that black hat, you know, dark colored glasses forward saying, you know, if this is the way we are now, then it's just going to get worse in the future. Um, because ultimately, you know, part of this fallacy or rather part of this bias is that you know you're painting the past as so much better than the present day. And so you then anticipate that that trend line is just going to keep going down into the future.
3: <clears throat> I would true. I would just wanted to to add to that, Jason. We've I mean the fact that we can Look at the statistics on some of this to prove that bias. Um, there was a time when it was really funny, too, because we had this uh, past master in the lodge who who was saying the same things you are. Oh, we filled all the seats and everybody did all this. And we had so many people at the meetings. And uh, this past master of my lodge, this other one, brother Tom Love, stood up, asked to be excused, uh, went outside the lodge, went and got the minute books from like 1960 and like another one from like 1920 and then came back into the lodge and then shared the fact that at any given meeting, there was likely never more than about 13 people. At every meeting. he was like, stop wow. thinking, stop thinking that we were something we were not. It's a fantasy. It's rose colored glasses.
1: Wow. Well, you know, and oh, you yeah. can you can Who think knows? about that. You can think about that, you know, oh, the hey <clears throat> excuse me, the heyday of Freemasonry back, you know, at the the formation of the Premier Grand Lodge of England, like Speculative Masonry was exploding. You had the Royal Society, Desigoulier and his contemporaries, like, that was awesome. Everything was fantastic and great. And you do know that like within the first like fifteen years of Masonry, the premier Grand Lodge of England fractured. (laughs) Almost died. And completely (laughs) broke apart and almost destroyed itself.
2: Yeah. Over green beans, <laughs> I see the chat blowing you up. You show
1: me the, the documentation, and then you know I will green bean bias. Con- consider your <laughs> hypothesis.
0: <laughs> the more green beans you have in a meal, the better the lodge event will be. There's a green bean bias.
2: Oh, oh! I love it. I hope you get. I hope you get a mildly <laughs> annoying disease. <laughs> of- uh, I'm next. Yes, yes. Love green beans. So mine is, uh, it kind of dovetails into, uh, John, the last one you talked about. Mine is in group bias. Um, And uh, a great example of this is, you know, in our politically charged, you know, we can't go five seconds without making a political comment, whether it's social media or at our dinner table or on the street, when you see a bumper sticker, we're just so politically charged as a society. It's you're walking down the street, And across the street, you see someone wearing a let's go Brandon shirt or a uh, Joe Biden rules shirt or something like that. And just by virtue of looking at them, never meeting that person, never interacting with that person, never speaking to that person. You've associated them with a group, have made judgment calls about them, and you've already categorized this person as the type of person that you think they are. And that Mm -hmm. stays in your mind Mm -hmm. forever. So that's uh, and, and, you know, to add on to this it's in-group bias specifically is you have those thoughts and you have these preconceived notions and they you know form your mind but then it also uh, comes with the idea that my group is better than your group because i don't like the group that i've put you in arbitrarily right just from looking at a t-shirt um or something like that so i mean i think this is rampant in Freemasonry, right? On a couple of levels, right? You know, my lodge is better than your lodge because, you know, we don't serve green beans there. That Mm -hmm. is a factual statement with evidence. So (laughs) I wouldn't put it in the in-group bias. But, um, you know, my lodge is better than your lodge because we play music. Or, you know, my lodge is better than your lodge because we had, you know, we raised 45 people in one day. Yay! So that makes us better than your group. So it's always a mine is better than yours because of this. But again, it's not with right. evidence, it's not through fact, it's through because I made a judgment call based on what I think I know about you. Um, so really rampant, um, not just in Freemasonry, but you know, in general, um, touches a lot of our society and it's something we need to kind yeah. of break the habit on.
0: Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I had a, a work mentor who was really smart in organizational dynamics and uh, one thing what he didn't really call it this in group bias, but he was very quick to pick up any time the conversation shifted towards, well, if only they did XYZ, right? And so he says, anytime that you start talking about them or others, or it's always their fault, it's not our fault, it's it's their fault. Anytime you you put someone in, in an other category, you're, you're doing this in-group bias. Uh, even if you haven't defined what that group is, it's not your group. And so again, that's one way to break this in-group bias is to, anytime you hear yourself, well, if only they did, or they're different because you're already down that path. So, um, so try those to
2: people, step. those people. <clears throat> so try to step away from that. If y'all have the term, those people in your vocabulary, take it out now. Put it in a dumpster and set that dumpster on fire okay? that's something
0: that those people in manassas would say i'm just saying
2: those people i don't live in manassas so don't get smarmy with uh, 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 me smart buddy
0: all right let's talk about smarmy. another smarmy bias the next one is the availability heuristic um this is um sort of like framing but it's one that we we tend to do a lot whenever you hear a lot about something in the news So whenever uh, the availability of something uh, or the more recency or the more common that you hear about something, you tend to overestimate its actual statistical probability of happening in the real world. So if there's a really bad tornado that comes through your town and there's another one a week later, you're going to start saying, boy, we've had this, this huge increase in tornadoes. When if you look at it over time... It's probably about the same. They just happen to be with a week apart. Uh, so, um, so you see that with weather events for sure, and people overestimate. Well, we're we're getting so many more hurricanes now because of global global warming. And when you go step back and look at the data, we have just the exact same number or or fewer hurricanes over over time. Um, but that happens a lot too when lodges are trying to improve themselves. Uh, one one example could be, and this is again like a framing. Uh, bias where you could say hey our lodge is doing great like we've raised 10 brothers over the past six months like we are we are doing great we're kicking butt that may be true but let's let's expand that window here and let's look over the past five years if you're only going to talk about the last six to ten six to ten months you're you're yes i'm very happy that it's recently you've been you've been growing pretty quickly but as a whole let's step back from the, the recency effect, the availability effect, and look at it at a bigger picture to see, uh, are you really on track
2: that goes exactly into framing? So, you know, we raised, how many people did you say 10 people in six months? Mm-hmm. What about the 50 guys over 90 that just suddenly died too? You know, no,
0: no, but we, we raised we talk about those in the past right. six months, Joe. I mean, come on, let's, let's, let's have a little bit of optimism bias here. 10 in the past six months.
2: I'm going to hit you with a whole bucket full of math and see how that works out for you. <laughs> one, one and a half bucketfuls. <laughs> it's called a net negative. Yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, I fall, I fell under that trap too, right? Um, one other, like, real world example that's not, like, raisings or, or tornadoes is all of a sudden there was this one period over the past two years where a lot of people I knew started to get COVID. And we're like, oh, there's got to be a surge. There's got to be a peak of covid going around it just happened to be the the availability the people that i knew personally that were getting it and so i'm I'm putting on my bias there when i'm saying well there's got they were fine before for the past year now all of a sudden they're getting it there must be a surge but that is that was not true if you actually look at the data so that's um something to consider and i think we're ready for robert's final one because we are pushing the hour. So let's end with Robert and then we'll go around one last time to talk about our, our favorite bias and or how to avoid them. Go ahead, Robert.
3: Uh, the next one is uh, I'll, I'll go back and I want to do curse of knowledge. So curse of knowledge is essentially that you've mastered a particularly confusing topic and you assume that others also know exactly what you know. Um, this happens a lot during the political seasons, right? Like when people talk about how the electoral system works or, you know, any number of things that can really confuse people. And the idea is that because you've invested some, some time, and let's face it, uh, I think there are several people out there, and I, and I would suggest that I'm probably guilty of this myself post my 20s, uh, acting like I've always known what something was, when in fact I probably looked it up 10 minutes before to look smart in class or something silly. Um, and the the bias is that um, you've actually moved beyond this, and, and maybe you're more mature now, and and you do know how something works, and then you just talk about it in front of other people, and you assume that they know. Uh, the the same thing you know. Uh, and a, a good example of this in Lodge is that uh, anytime you're arguing or having a condescending attitude towards Lodge members who don't understand, maybe like Grand Lodge procedures, um, hey, I want to submit a bylaw revision. Uh, I use that because that is a confusing process. Uh, and so, You know, maybe somebody asks how that's done, and you've got this uh, condescending attitude about how you're trying to explain it. And you're huffing and puffing like, "Oh, geez, this guy doesn't know. He doesn't know how to submit a bylaw revision. Hey, he doesn't know how to submit a bylaw revision. Can you believe it?" Uh, So that that kind of silly stuff, uh, and it's called the curse of knowledge. And it's there's there's a whole other um, there's many other ways that this can be applied, but. You know, when thinking about Lodge, I, I say, what we, what do we say? Be condescending uh, to your inferiors, meaning you go down to their level. Don't be mm. condescending. Don't
0: be a ding dong. Yeah, this is really fascinating because um, in my professional career, I, I knew a guy. It was, it was this brilliant PhD. He could do math in his head. That would just like crush my, ever, my best abilities ever. And... I observed him one day. This was early on in my, my my career, and I watched him have conversations. And he was this brilliant mathematical PhD, but he was talking to senior managers who weren't very technical or weren't very smart in the math. And watching him, I would see him shift the conversation down to the level. It wasn't being condescending. He was just trying to explain it at a more simple level. And as he, w- you would see him slowly raise the the uh, academic level of the conversation and he would meet to where someone's ability was and it was fa- it was a fascinating tool that I found where you're actually trying to get around this curse of knowledge and say you know let me step back and realize I may know more than this person but I'm not going to do it in a condescending way I'm not going to do it in a, uh, a, a harmful way but I'm going to say let me make sure that we we're talking at, at the same basics before we start moving up to another level and that's helped me um, do
1: that
2: Joe? Yeah, just uh, you just made me think of something that I haven't thought of in a very long time, uh, and I'll be super quick because I know we're running on time. But um, uh, those of you that were in the military, you you've heard this, um, probably said a lot more meaner than I'm saying it now. But uh, when you train soldiers or you train your your seamen or your airmen or what have you, you know, when you're in charge and you're supposed to train them, you're always supposed to train train to your the least what? common denominator in the room. Right, So your training needs to be revolving around the person that has the lowest skill set um, or is at the bottom of the list when it comes to stuff. So when you walk in there, you don't speak over their heads and you don't speak, you know, 14 levels above where their skill set is. You go down to the again, it's it's um, it's said a lot more harshly than lowest common denominator. But you speak and train to the lowest common denominator in the room so that everybody has that same baseline when you you train them. So.
0: Excellent. All right. We could go on for hours, but this is a one hour show. It's, it's late. We have stuff to do tomorrow. So what we're going to do is mm-hmm. we're going to go around one last time and talk about how can we correct for these because um, we've, we've shown a, a handful of those. There's many, many more out there. But Jason, why don't you kick us off and tell us why are we talking about this and how can we be better men and masons? by being aware of these cognitive biases?
1: You know, <clears throat> ultimately, you know, there's a, there's a good difference between, <clears throat> you know, logical fallacies and cognitive biases, whereas logical fallacies really, in every case, are things that are detrimental and undermine the validity of an argument. You know, the, the cognitive bias isn't, necessarily inherently a bad thing. Ultimately, a cognitive bias is our brain's way of, you know, kind of supercharging our thought pathways so that we don't, you know, completely overanalyze something to death. It's, it's a way to, you know, kind of think fast as opposed to thinking slow. And so, the key here is recognizing what the biases are and for things that are important, taking a step back and assessing whether or not you know any of your fast-tracked neural pathways are perhaps leading you to paint a picture of a situation that isn't really reflective of what's going on in reality. And so understanding biases and recognizing them is critically important to ensure that you are filtering and perceiving information um, the way it, it, you know, should be filtered and and perceived. False,
0: I don't like you, therefore, I believe you're wrong. I second that.
1: I'm glad we got this out of the way eight and a half years into the show I, <laughs> I never person. liked you either I love him. I love you
0: too
1: all right Robert <laughs> uh,
0: so the question is how you know why why do we care about cognitive biases and what can we do about them
3: well because they actually plague humanity uh, they they actually make it difficult to Uh, evolve cognitively as a species and move forward with uh, solutions and things. Uh, These biases are, you know, range from everything to as uh, silly and subjective as we've talked about to, you know, uh, uh, the ideas of things like, uh, well, hot button issue today would be uh, like the Uh, systematic, uh, you know, racial biases that uh, exist all over the world, really. But, you know, we've had particular focus on here in the United States over the last decade or so. Um, And really, the only way to destroy our biases is to become honest with ourselves um, and to really try to take stock in uh, our own feelings because uh, like essentially you know you have a bias on something because there is an inherent fear of recognizing something some shortcoming or something that is uncomfortable about you or your family or or something and so when we can move past those things health in a healthy way um then i think uh, that helps us out but you know in all realms of these biases whether it comes you know, there's a lot of things like john you talked about uh, a lot of the the biases that were moved against us in the the uh, before time and during the covid time um and, mm-hmm. and 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 not having those kinds of biases i think as long as we're acting within good faith to uh make things better and get reflective and, uh I think we can overcome these biases, but it, it's imperative that we do. And uh, to Jason's point, I know, we're, again, we're long to Jason's point talking about the logical fallacies. Uh, you know, don't don't commit the logical fallacies when you're arguing your biases. <laughs> <laughs> How
0: true. Awesome. Thanks, Robert. Over to you, Joe. What do we do about these bi- biases? Make sure you unmute yourself, too. Not yet. Wait for it. You have a mute mute button bias. So you take these these iPods out. Next thing you know. How about now? How about now? We got you.
2: Yeah. I said it all when my mic was muted. No. So really quick. uh, The way to solve this is very simple. It's you need to split yourself into two people. Okay. Kind of like bifurcating yourself and that one person that has these biases, you leave that person there, and then you take that eyeball and you point it at yourself and picture yourself as an outside observer and see what he would think of the things you were gonna say. So, um, you know, that's the best way to look at your biases, you know, very objectively. And it's really hard to look at ourselves objectively because we're all subjective people, right? We have brains and thoughts and ideas and, and they're all about us. But um, if you can take that eye and turn it inside, and view yourself as an external observer you may get a glimpse of of the types of things that you do and say and the biases that you present to the world and, and hopefully change something about them so you know be the change all that good stuff you know whatever other pithy quotes i can give you just to turn that eyeball inward and, and take a long hard look at yourself
0: just do it yep and that's, do it. that's really the uh the summary there that i was going to say is that uh It all comes down to know thyself, right? That's the whole point of of Freemasonry is to know thyself. And the only way to do that is through introspection and self-examination. And so you have to be aware of traps that you fall into. And try to do less of those all the time, whether it be <clears throat> you know avoiding certain biases or fallacies, or whether it be strengthening in the virtues that you hope to emulate, right? That's why Benjamin Franklin kept his his virtue card around, right? So grow in your grow in your strengths and avoid your weaknesses and be better every day. So with that, I want to thank you all very much for watching and keep searching for more life.